Well, this morning, Matthew 14, we, we're going to pick right up there in Matthew chapter 14. And in the same fashion, coming up with some kind of intro that is, you know, sometimes the text speaks for itself. And this is a story to me in Matthew 14, starting with verse 13. It's still one of the most amazing scriptures, really, that we have. Uh, I want to read it. Matthew chapter 14, starting with 13. One of the most amazing stories in Scripture. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven. He blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. There were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. Sometimes a story that we've heard, many of us have heard for most of our lives in Sunday school, children's church, sometimes we can be so close and so familiar that we lose the sense of awe and glory that is found within. Jesus he hears about John, and he withdraws from where he was in, into a boat to a secluded place by himself. Jesus, he's heard about these awful events surrounding the, the death of his cousin John, and last week we looked at the, at the final moments of the life of, of John the Baptist. It was a tragedy. Because of one man, Herod the Tetrarch, who couldn't keep his hormones or his mouth in check because he was tempted by his own illegitimate stepdaughter's dancing, John the Baptist is beheaded in order to fulfill Herod's end of a drunken bargain. Grieving, Jesus withdraws from the disciples and the itinerant ministry of which They've all been apart in the cities. And, and the text doesn't tell us the specific geographic location. This is probably near the Sea of Galilee, but only that Jesus goes to a secluded place. And, and what images come to, to your mind when, when I say words like secluded place? Uh, lonely? Isolated? Perhaps bleak, 
maybe even a bit unsettling or, or maybe a sense of foreboding. Well, the people hear of Jesus being on the move and they're going to follow suit. They follow Him on foot from the cities. They, they won't leave Jesus alone. They hear that He's on the move. They're unwilling to give Jesus any space. I had an art teacher one time who would call us over to her table to, to watch a demonstration. And, and then she would tell us, I need elbow room. <laughs> call us in and then, you know. Jesus, you know, he's like a first century rock star. He, if there had been such a thing at that time, you know, he can't go anywhere anonymously. He's got paparazzi, well, the same, the, the first century equivalent. They're all, I mean, they're all in his business. And they make this effort to follow him on foot from the cities to this secluded place. One of the many things that I love about Bedford County is its vastness. I'll drive down 24 or Jordantown Road or Joppa Mill or Saunders Road and, and I'll look at all these paths, paved and unpaved, that, that extend, that veer off from these main roads or these driveways and I'll look out and I'll see a barn or a house or I'll see a grove of trees or brush and, and I'm drawn. I, and maybe there's something that I find very compelling about that, especially in this season of the year where there, there are no leaves. I like to see the barren trees and I can see out for miles. And growing up in the vast area of, of the Carroll Grayson counties, this was one of my favorite things to do. I love to go exploring and, and this was in the days before the GPS. Um, and I'm sure that many of you can relate to that. I mean, there's nothing like getting lost on a country road in the middle of nowhere, especially late at night. Uh, and, and most of those times, I was in a car or another vehicle. And unlike the, the people here, I, I was not on foot. A secluded place. You know, these people who are following Jesus, you know, they're not the, they're not the usual beggars, the, the, the usual hangers-on. These people, you know, they may be consumers, they're wanting something from Jesus. And they may be wanting something for nothing, but, but you've got to keep in mind the size of the group that we just, we just looked there at the, in that last verse there in 21. The size of the group. But they've made considerable efforts to get to Jesus and they've invested maybe some blood, maybe some, well, definitely some sweat, maybe some tears. I mean, we, we don't know. To get to Jesus. What about us? What kind of effort do we... Something to, to ponder. Jesus, he goes ashore and he sees this large crowd and he feels... He feels compassion for them, and he, and he heals their sick. Uh, the, this crowd, it's, they've arrived, and, and they're awaiting the arrival of Jesus in the boat, and they greet him, and, and Jesus sees this large crowd, and that's a bit of an understatement. And what, is, what do we read? He feels compassion for them. And it's the same feeling, I'm assuming, that he had back in chapter 9, 
In chapter 9, Jesus is going through all the cities and the villages. He's teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the, the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And, and in Matthew 9, we read that Jesus, seeing the people, Jesus feels compassion for them because they are distressed. They are dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And, and then Jesus begins to heal their sick. You go to the ER waiting room. And there could be 40 or 50 people there waiting. And it seems to take forever. And it seems like the fewer people, the longer it takes. Has anybody ever had that experience? Yes. Is it worth the trouble to go? Well, Jesus is the great physician, and he's healing the sick one by one in a crowd that contains a whole lot more than just 40 or 50 people. Hence the significance of the beginning of verse 15, when it was evening. He's been at this all day, trying to get by himself, trying to grieve about his cousin, and here are a ton of people, one by one by one. The disciples, they come to Jesus and they, and they say, this place is desolate, and the hour is already late. So, so send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and, and buy food for themselves. This place is desolate. So, so, so what images come to mind when I say a phrase like, this place is desolate and the hour is already late? Lonely? Isolated? Perhaps bleak? Maybe even a bit unsettling or foreboding? add a comment about the time frame, and this, this, this emphasizes really the urgency. And now you add all these people. The disciples, they say, send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and, and buy food for themselves. I mean, this is not, this is not an unreasonable suggestion. And, and it's not that they're being rude, the crowds followed them, and they've, the crowds made the push. It's not like Jesus and the disciples are hosting some kind of large, mega-scale event, and then because of poor planning, they run into dinner time and past dinner time, and, and being backward hosts, they awkwardly ignore the need to provide the meal. <laughs> you know, it's, that's not the situation. Jesus says to the disciples... They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> well, that's just silly. I mean, how does that even work? I mean, this is, this is first century. I mean, there's not DoorDash. <laughs> there's not Grubhub. You, you don't have food delivery. I mean, Papa John's. I mean, there's not even a China Walk. 
They say to Jesus, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Every group of folks has got to have a details person. If the boat's going to sail, if the plane's going to fly, you've got to have somebody who's about the details. And, and someone has evidently assessed the situation. And someone has evidently thought ahead, and someone has thought ahead and, and has taken inventory. Uh, Matthew doesn't tell us who brought what. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a pleasant, earnest little boy who said, Here, take mine. Maybe his mother packed a lunch for him and his little sister, and, and maybe the little sister was, was, was ill and the mother was hoping that Jesus might heal her daughter. Perhaps they were, as a whole family, we don't, we don't know. I mean, again, this is all just a, for example. I mean, maybe the whole family, was, they were too poor to, to go make the journey and to be able to eat. Maybe it was a kind old Israelite uh, devoted to God. And maybe this Israelite could see the promises of God being fulfilled in this Galilean carpenter. I mean, we, we, don't, we, don't, know, we, we don't know the scenario. Matthew doesn't specify. But we do know that the disciples said to Jesus, we have only five loaves and two fish. And if they'd had any idea of what was about to happen, Jesus says, bring them here to me. Jesus gives the disciples a directive and ordering the people to sit down on the grass, Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he looks up toward heaven. The folks are sitting... I mean, evidently, this isn't that all dreary of a wasteland if there's grass. Imagine Jesus telling you to take a seat. Jesus takes five loaves and, and the two fish, and he looks up toward heaven, and, and he blesses the food, and, and breaking the loaves, he gives them to the disciples, and the disciples give them to the crowds. Jesus, he blesses the food, he, he sanctifies the meal. And, and when you hear a word like sanctify, that's a, that's a churchy word. But, but that, that means to, to set something apart for a holy purpose. Jesus consecrates this food. He breaks the loaves. He breaks the loaves and he, and he gives the pieces to the disciples. And, and the disciples then administer the pieces to the crowds. It's a special thing that the Lord does when He invites us to step up and take part in a ministry setting. It's a blessing to be able to be asked to serve. And Jesus, He involves these disciples. He, he passes to them and, and they pass to the crowd and it's the same case still today. And it should be the same case. It, is it worth the trouble to be in an uncomfortable situation where we're asked to serve 
where, where there's more initial question about the goings-on than perhaps the details that are given. Is it worth the trouble, but maybe it's, a, it's an inconvenience? Look what happens in verse 20. They all eat and they are all satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets, and there were about 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. So that's, that's 5,000 plus. That's over 10,000 people. Probably closer to 15,000. The urban population of Bedford County, according to the census of 2017, is, was 17,154 persons. So imagine all of the urban population of Bedford County sitting down in one place and sharing a meal all together at one time. This gives us an idea. The crowd, they, they sit down, they all eat, and they are all satisfied. And there's even leftovers. You know, even the disciples need to eat too. Don't they? The Lord always provides, doesn't he? And maybe it's not in the ways that we expect or we anticipate. I mean, the Lord provides exactly what is needed. You know, there was another time when there was a large group, a large group of folks they needed to eat, and, and they were out in the middle of nowhere. They were, they were in a secluded place. They were in a desolate place. And the Lord has just led them through the Red Sea in Exodus 15 and, and has provided them water to drink even as they were grumbling. I mean, thank heavens we don't grumble in 2020, right? <laughs> they come to an area in the wilderness named Elim and they make camp. And in Exodus 16, we, we find out that they set out from Elim and all the congregation of the sons of Israel come to an area in the wilderness that happens to be named Sin, capital S. It's kind of like in Matthew. I mean, this is a pretty good size of folks here, the sons of Israel. This is a whole nation. And the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, they start to grumble against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel, they say, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. <gasps> when we sat by the pots of meat... When we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord says to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Moses says to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, 
Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. Mm. It comes about as Aaron speaks to the whole congregation, and they look toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. If I was grumbling and then I saw that, ooh. The Lord speaks to Moses and says, I've heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Amen. And it comes about at evening that the quails come and they cover the camp. And in the morning there's a layer of dew around the camp, and the layer of dew evaporates, and, and on the surface of the wilderness, there's this fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. And when the sons of Israel see it, they say to one another, What is it? Moses tells them, It's the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord commands, gather of it every man as much as he should eat. And the, so the sons of Israel, they do this, and some gather much, and, and some gather little. But when they measure it, he who had gathered much had no excess. And he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. The house of Israel named it manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers and honey. Exactly what is needed. Aaron told this message of the Lord to, to the whole congregation, and, and they looked in the wilderness, and, and behold, the glory of the Lord appears in a cloud. And the Lord says through Moses, you'll eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. You'll know that I am the Lord your God. The feeding of the 5,000 plus is found in all four Gospels. And John says in John chapter 6 that when the people saw a, the sign that Jesus had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is come into the world. They saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. A little bit later, John tells us in the letter of 1 John, which we actually started reading a year ago today, that what the disciples had heard what they had seen with their eyes, what they had looked at and touched with their hands concerning Jesus, the word of life. They have seen him and they testify and they proclaim to you and to me the eternal life of Jesus which was with the Father and was manifested to them and they proclaimed to us and this is why. So that you too, me too and you too, us too may have fellowship and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ 
And, they, and John writes this, These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Made complete. That, that sounds like satisfaction. John also says that Jesus tells the disciples and the crowd on that day of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and as it's written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And then Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Amen. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. As the glory of the Lord was revealed that day in the wilderness when he rained down quail and manna. The glory of the Lord was also revealed that day in the secluded place, the, the wilderness, when Jesus blessed and broke the bread. Complete satisfaction, exactly what is needed. And, and Matthew tells us that, that as Jesus was breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and in the very same way, Jesus was broken for us. Going to the cross for us. And He still provides complete satisfaction. Exactly what is needed. It, it was worth the trouble for more than 5,000 people to go after Jesus. They were able to see His glory manifested. And it was worth the trouble for Jesus to set aside his place in heaven to come and to dwell with us and make a way through his broken body on the cross for God to have our sin debt satisfied. Jesus has taken care of our sin, complete satisfaction. Exactly what is needed. Would we find that going after Jesus in the same way that those 5,000 plus did, would, would we find going after Jesus worth the trouble? Do we have a desire to see the glory of God made manifest in our lives? The glory of God manifested in our church. Is it worth the trouble?